Hello, and welcome to the Minimalist Moms Podcast. I'm Diane. I'm a mother of three living in Columbus, Ohio. I'm trying to make room in my life for what matters by getting rid of the clutter and living life with purpose. I hope you'll join me on the journey to think more and do with less. We've discussed toy decluttering, but how do we manage the actual toy room? Tashina Tyser, the voice behind the blog, The Cinnamon Mom, joins me today to share her best tips for where to start, what to keep, how to handle incoming toys, and ultimately how to maintain a tidy playroom. But before we get to the conversation, I wanted to encourage you to leave a rating and review if you haven't done so yet. I know that there are some of you that have been listening since the beginning of this podcast and you have yet to do so yet. So if you could just pause, take 30 seconds and leave a rating and review, it would really help this podcast succeed and grow. And then lastly, before we get to the interview, I just wanted to hear how you're enjoying Minimalist Moms Living and Parenting with Simplicity. Let me know how you're enjoying that. I'm starting to see reviews come in on Amazon and Goodreads. And just people are so sweet in my direct messages on Instagram and Facebook. So I so appreciate what I've heard so far. And if you haven't grabbed a copy yet, head over to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or where books are sold online and let me know what you think. Again, thank you all so much for supporting The Minimalist Moms by just listening, again, leaving rating and reviews or following along on social media. It really does mean so much to me just to see this community grow. So I appreciate you all for listening. And here is my conversation with Tashina. Tashina, thank you so much for joining me today on The Minimalist Moms podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. I'm happy to have you here. I've been following along on your Instagram, and I just think that you are just such a fun mom. And so I wanted to have you. And I guess we were just talking back and forth about what topic you'd talk about. And we came up with the playroom, decluttering the playroom. But before we get into that conversation, you can go ahead and introduce yourself to the listeners. Sure. My name's Tashina, and I live in South Carolina right now with my husband and our two little girls who are three and five years old. And um, my background is actually in education. I was a kindergarten teacher up until my youngest was born. But since I've had two kids, I left my job and I've been a stay-at-home mom. So minimalism has always been... um, I think just kind of natural to me. I like orderly spaces. I like things to be tidy. I don't like too much stuff. And over the past maybe year and a half since we've moved into our first house, I've just become more intentional about the things that we own and also just trying to teach my girls, you know, the same concepts. Definitely um, decluttering our playroom and keeping that nice and tidy is a big part of our home and our lifestyle. Yes, I can definitely relate. And actually, that's a really great segue into my first question. I wanted to know what your process looked like when you first began to tackle the area of the playroom. When my first daughter was born, she's almost six now, but um, I was very conscious of the type of playroom that I wanted through being a teacher and being exposed to early childhood education, I fell in love with the Montessori method. It's very child-directed. It's very tidy. It just kind of naturally is minimalist. And so when you see a Montessori type of classroom or play space, it's open shelves, as few toys as possible, like a few options for the kids to choose from, but it's not 
over cluttered. Mm-hmm. Um, there's lots of space on the floor to play. And the whole goal is that the children can choose things. Everything is accessible so the kids can get things themselves. They know where to put it back. And they're just learning responsibility. Basically, they're learning through purposeful play. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of how I modeled our playroom. That's what I wanted. I wanted wooden toys on an open shelf. And then, um, of course, over time, my kids started getting gifts that didn't necessarily fit into the vision that I had. So we were getting, you know, the plastic toys and the noisy toys. And um, so over time, we've just kind of had to narrow down that vision and decide how it was going to change and how we were going to make it work for our family. One thing that is really important is that I do keep my kids really involved in the process. I don't just take toys away and, you know, toss them out without having a conversation first. I'm always trying to teach them the value of keeping things that are meaningful to them, letting them be involved in in the whole process of, you know, which toys we keep and which toys we don't. You made me think of something. So you were a kindergarten teacher. So I'm wondering if you ever noticed when you were in the classroom, if your students experienced any type of decision fatigue with the various toys that were in the classroom. Honestly, there's no right or wrong answer to this. I'm just curious to see what your experience was like with the students in that type of environment. So in my classroom, I had 30 students. Mm -hmm. And so it would be very easy for things to get out of control and for, you know, messes to be created. And so we were just very structured in my classroom. We had designated times when the kids could play with certain toys or certain games. We had timeframes. And so they knew that when they were done, it was time to put things away. And so I have carried that over into my parenting. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that Preschool classrooms are set up with the various stations, which probably would cut down on that decision fatigue that I had mentioned. But I guess I'm just talking from my own experience. When my toy room at home has been cluttered, I feel as though my children don't focus on one thing for nearly as long. They move from thing to thing to thing. And so I just was curious about the preschool environment or kindergarten environment being the same. Definitely. It can get really overwhelming, especially in a classroom when there are already so many different kids and personalities that can draw their attention. Then to add more things on top of that can absolutely be a lot. It's a lot for kids to process. And you know, children are still young and things are still so new. And so their attention is constantly being drawn in so many different directions. And so when you just have too much stuff, it's definitely overwhelming for them. Yes, absolutely. So going back to that initial process of when you were decluttering your playroom and tidying your playroom, what did you hone in on that had to go first? Or I guess, what is that initial step that you took? And then what would you recommend listeners take as their first step when attacking this, this space in their home? Yeah, so I do have like designated times of the year when I am very intentional about decluttering. But pretty much every time I walk in there, my eyes are scanning the room to see what we can part with. Like it's pretty much an ongoing thing. It's not really a a start or an end necessarily. I would say I'm always looking for ways to just minimize to get things out of there. On the times when I am really intentional about decluttering, I will start by grabbing 
trash bags and I'll label them donate, sell and recycle. Um, and so then as we're going through the room and finding things that we don't want anymore, we can separate them into those different categories. The main times that we do declutter are right before their birthdays, which actually is now. They both have springtime birthdays. And so I'm getting ready to go in there and with my trash bags and start sorting stuff out. Toward the end of the summer, we also will do like a big declutter. It's our way of transitioning, I guess, into our school year and just kind of getting our minds ready for the next part of, you know, like the fall and the next part of the year. Mm -hmm. And then we'll do another big declutter before the holidays. And so um, if our items are in pretty decent condition, then we'll donate them, you know, to a friend or a neighbor, take the bag down to Goodwill. And then a lot of times we find that things are still in really good shape. They just don't play with them anymore. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes we'll try to sell those things on Facebook Marketplace or see if we can, you know, make a few dollars off of the stuff that other people can play with that are still in really good shape. But as far as my process goes, I will literally just start on one end of the playroom and work my way around. So our main toy shelf, it's like we have a cube system. Mm -hmm. So I'll just go through each cube and I'll ask them if they want to keep whatever is in there or if they're ready to say goodbye. And a lot of times it surprises me um, how ready they are, you know, to part with something. I don't know if I would have been so willing as a child, but they always surprise me with how easily they're able to say goodbye to things. So I think that's, like I said before, you know, talking to them and keeping them involved in the process definitely helps because sometimes, you know, if you don't talk to your kids or if you don't go into your playroom, nobody even realizes that things aren't being used anymore. So when we are deciding whether or not to keep something, there are like three general guidelines that we use. And the first thing we'll look at is the condition of the toy. So if it's broken or if it's worn out, then obviously, you know, we're not going to keep something that's not functional or that isn't safe. Then we'll also, like I said before, we'll kind of look at how often they play with the toy. So if it's something that they just outgrown or it's just sitting there collecting dust, that's really easy. We'll get rid of it. And then the last thing that we'll look at is whether or not we actually have space. So we've been in our house now for about a year and a half, but before this, we were living in apartments. And there isn't a lot of space in apartments to store toys. And so we've gotten used to just making sure that we only keep what we have room for. Now they have a playroom, a designated playroom. So they have a little bit more room to keep things, but we kind of, you know, it's the same mindset. If it doesn't fit in there, if there's not a spot for it on the shelf or a place where it can go, then we're not going to keep it anymore. It's actually really interesting because like I was saying, I, I really did try to keep my, um, my Montessori picture in my head, but somehow my girls learned about Barbies, which I never introduced to them. <laughs> and so like Barbies are a big thing in our house now. And for Christmas, they asked my mom for a Barbie dream house. And at first I was very hesitant because, you know, Barbie dream houses are not small and when you get a Barbie dream house, it also usually means that lots of Barbies and lots of accessories are going to come with it. So I was very, very hesitant, but they were so insistent that they were like, well, mom, what if we make space for it? And so they sat down with me and we found a lot of things that they didn't want anymore that they weren't using anymore. Mm -hmm. And we were able to make room for a whole Barbie dream house now in our playroom. So they're so excited. They play with it every day. 
and it really makes a difference. So although it wasn't necessarily something that I wanted, it's something that they, you know, it's meaningful to them. They actually use it. And so we were able to accommodate it in our playroom. Yeah, I was I was more into dolls when I was a kid, but my sister was all about the Barbies when we were little. But anyways, it was something that I had tried pretty hard to be intentional about. But you're right. They hear it. They see it. And I mean, to be honest, it is a great way for them to play pretend and to build their creativity. So anything that can tap into that creativity of the mind is, I guess, okay in my book. Yeah. And, you know, they spend hours playing their imagination disorders and they make all of these unique situations for their Barbies and stories. And so I completely understand the benefits mm-hmm. from like a mom point of view. Where I was just like terrified of all the little parts and all the little things yeah. and, you know, also just like the bright colors. And, yeah. But um, it, their playroom and, and we've been able to make it work. Yes, Absolutely. So I do have a quick question for you, and it was something I didn't prompt you about, but what type of language do you use when you are decluttering with your children? Because I know I've said in the past, oh, we're just going to donate this to a child that doesn't have any toys, but I'm curious to know how you introduced this to your own children. Yeah, the general um, wording that I use is our toys are going to find a new home. And so they don't, I don't ever just like throw something in the trash unless it's very obviously broken and, you know, not safe for anyone else. But for the most part, we take such good care of our toys that they're able to find a new place to live. And so we say that to, I say that to my kids, we're going to find our toys, a new home. They're going to find other kids who would like to play with them. And then when we're actually ready to go through the process of decluttering, I'll ask them, are you still using this or are you ready to say goodbye to this? And so it's pretty easy. You know, when they're ready to say goodbye, I kind of, you know, took from the Marie Kondo that the Kondo method, just saying goodbye, thanking the toy for for all the memories and the good times and um, letting it go. No, I'm really glad that you shared that because... And I say this on a lot of my episodes, but I feel like you'll listen to something and then it just seems so hard to apply in your own household. So I always like to ask my guests just what kind of tactics do you take? And honestly, I don't I I love your idea of saying this toy is going to have a new home. So I'm really glad that you said that. I was going to say it can be really traumatizing for kids to just, you know, they wake up one day and all their toys are gone. And I think as humans, we do form attachments to our belongings. Kids are exactly the same. And that's why it is so hard for people to get rid of things. And so with my children, I just want to be respectful of that and make sure that they don't ever feel like they're forced to give away something that they don't want when they're ready for it to go, then it can go. So how do you maintain tidiness in the playroom? You said that you do give your girls some responsibility, allowing them to help you clean and assist you in there. So what does that look like practically or on a daily basis? Yeah, there are a couple of main things that we do. Um, The first thing is that everything in our toy room has a specific spot where it lives. And so uh, I've learned that, you know, when there's uncertainty about where something is supposed to go, that's when things can end up really chaotic and it's hard to keep track of what we actually have. Mm -hmm. So um, in our playroom, we make sure that every toy has a shelf or a basket or a very clear area where something belongs. And then my kids know that when they're done, Mm -hmm. they know 
know exactly where to return it to. And then I would also say that our playroom is not always immaculate. You know, they play throughout the day. They're allowed to make as big of a mess as they want to as they're playing. But at the end of every single day, I make sure that they clean up. But I'd say just, you know, being really consistent with our rules and routines is really necessary. If I start to bend or if there's a couple of days where I don't make them clean up, I imagine, you know, it would be easy to fall down that path. So being consistent with tidying up every day and making sure that everything goes back to their correct spots. In 2021, it's definitely okay to talk about our mental health and happiness. 2020 was interesting, so let's just do a mental health check-in. How are you really, and what do you need right now? Humans are not meant to keep everything inside. It makes us sick, and therapy helps. But what is therapy exactly? It's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help, or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or at work not dealing well with stress, whatever it is that you need, don't be ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 24 hours. Join the millions of people who are seeing what therapy is really about. See if it's for you, because you are your greatest asset. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and Minimalist Mom listeners get 10% off the first month at BetterHelp.com slash Minimalist. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Minimalist. So kind of shifting gears, I want to know how you deal with incoming toys. So you said that you declutter right before birthdays and before Christmas. So do you hand out lists to people in your family or how do you, I guess, how do you navigate that for your family? Um, That's something that I honestly have struggled with. I have a really hard time or I haven't really been received well when I've flat out asked people not to get our kids gifts or to get them certain things. And so I've had to change my attitude about it a lot just to be, instead of trying to control everything, I've just tried to be thankful that we have so many family members and so many friends who care about my girls. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, we don't really have anybody close to us who identifies as a minimalist. And so it's really hard for them to understand why we wouldn't want more toys for our kids or why we wouldn't want to, you know fill our playroom with more things. So what I've tried to do, it's really, it's a little bit challenging right now. What I've tried to do is ask for, you know, gift experiences and quality time. Mm -hmm. And um, we're a little bit limited right now in what the girls are able to do. But, you know, beforehand, before, you know, the pandemic, Mm -hmm. um, I would often ask for, you know, memberships or outings or classes so that we could limit the amount of toys that are coming into our house. My kids always prefer an adventure or quality time together over toys. And so experience gifts are like my number one thing that I ask for. And we request books a lot. We never get tired of collecting books. We can read them over and over at the shelf in our playroom as well. So there's always room for books there. 
and then trying to refocus my mind and be more grateful. And so I'm also trying to teach my girls to be grateful recipients. So when they get something and make sure that they say thank you, that they show their appreciation, that someone spent their time and money to give them a gift. And then later on, after we've had a chance to really look at the toys or, you know, play with them and test them out a little bit, then we'll decide together if there's a place for those items in our home. And if there isn't a physical space or if my kids just aren't really interested in them, we'll find them a new home. So hopefully people giving us gifts understand that, you know, once you give something to somebody, it's theirs to do whatever they please. You know, that's why, how I feel when I give somebody something, mm-hmm. I'm not going to go back and check on them and make sure they're using it or that they kept it. Mm-hmm. And so I hope that people are understanding that when they give us a gift, we are so thankful that there was the, the thought behind it, but mm-hmm. now it's ours and we can do with it what we want. Yeah, I think, I don't know, there's much to say on this topic, but I just have to remember that when someone does give my child a toy or a gift of any sort, it's it's really just my job to know how to accept graciously and like you said, it is the ball is in my court when it comes to what I do with that item long term. So, well, is there anything else that you would like to share with the listeners before we wrap our interview up? I don't think so. The only thing I was going to mention is just like two little things that have helped us. One is having a designated toy zone. So I mentioned before that we lived in apartments and so we didn't have a playroom at the time. And I know that not everybody has, you know, a designated play space. And so I was going to say how helpful it's been just to kind of like establish boundaries where toys can travel. Um, When you have a lot of different toys in different parts of your house, it's really hard to keep track of. And so I would say that confining them to one area has really helped us to keep things under control and it makes it a lot more manageable. And then the other thing I was going to say is that it's just really important to remember that you know, with every aspect of minimalism, there isn't an ideal number that every family should aim for. So it's not like you should have 10 toys or 30 toys. You just have to kind of set the parameters based on your circumstances and then be flexible with them as your kids grow and their interests change. Definitely. Well, where can listeners find you if they want to connect with you online? first place you should stop by is my blog, thecinnamonmom.com. I talk about all things related to mom life, lots of stuff about kids and toys. And um, I also like to talk a lot about food. And Mm -hmm. then of course, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook and even on Pinterest. My handle is thecinnamonmom. I love meeting new friends on there. So make sure to check me out. Great. And then real quick, I'm curious, what made you call yourself the cinnamon mom? I really love that. So there's two main reasons. The first is one of my girls' favorite book is this book called The Colors of Us. It's written by an author named Karen Katz. It's fantastic. And it's about this little girl who um, just walks through her neighborhood with her mom and they notice how all the people are different colors And they relate those people to um, the colors of their skin to different foods. So there's one friend whose skin looks like peanut butter and one friend whose skin looks like chocolate cupcakes. And um, one of the characters' skin is called cinnamon. And when my daughter was very young, she was like, oh, mommy, that's like you. you. You look like cinnamon. So that kind of just stuck. And that was around the time when I started my blog about three and a half years ago. 
And so I was like, oh, you know, the cinnamon mom. And then I also related it to just, I talk about a lot of different things on my blog and on my channels. And so it's just kind of like my little sprinkle and my little touch of spice on whatever topics I'm talking about. So it kind of just stuck. (laughs) No, that's wonderful. I will have to get that book from the library. It sounds so great. It's one of our favorites. Yes, I will definitely have to check it out. Well, as we wrap things up here, I'm going to ask you the two questions that I ask every guest. And the first one is, what is something that you're simplifying right now, aka what is your minimalist moment of the week? My daughter actually just started school, just started in-person school. It's the first time that either of my kids have been in school. And so one thing that we're working on is simplifying our before school and after school routines. Mm -hmm. So getting a good handle on like, her lunchbox and packing her lunches and managing paperwork that goes to and from school. So we're just trying to like find routines that make sense for us and and smooth out those daily routines. Yes, it is so nice to have the morning, just everything about the morning streamline before that rush out the door. So my last question for you is what is something that you can't stop talking about? My kids are in birthday mode and they're coming up. And so all they've been doing is um, counting down and they're planners like me. So they're making lists of all the activities they want to do and all the food they want to eat. And they had their birthdays at home last year. So we'll probably, you know, I'm sure we'll be home again this year, but we just try to make it really special. And so, yeah, just getting ready for their birthdays and celebrating some more milestones with them. Well, I can't wait to see what you all do. Like I said, you just always have the most creative and fun, even if they're not extravagant, just little, like you said, spices to the things that you do each day. So I can't wait to follow along. And again, Tashina, thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate everything that you said. And I can't wait. I'm going to have to go get that book. So I appreciate that recommendation as well. Thank you for joining me today. Oh, and thank you so much um, for your time and for giving me the opportunity to share my experience. Thank you again to Tashina for joining me in this conversation. Before I end, I'll just repeat one of the things that she said in the episode about consistency. And I would say just as with most decluttering and cleaning, you really do have to stay on top of it because when it gets out of hand, it often becomes too daunting to really tackle. We just come up with excuses or we re- we really never fully get in there and I guess clean or deep clean. So add it to your child's daily task list or clean together while singing the clean up, clean up song. I know it's what I do with my kids. <laughs> Make it a game. Put the toys to sleep in their homes. Um, I really like the idea of offering stickers for rewards. Just really implement whatever works best for you and your family and it will likely just become habit just like doing the laundry or the dishes so i invite you to keep the conversation going at minimalistmomspodcast.com there you'll find links to the instagram account facebook page and where you can find me all around the web thank you for joining up on this journey i wish you a lovely week as you think more and do with less